it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. Years ago, people thought I was crazy, kind of like the affirmatively furthering fair housing thing. For those of you that have been listening to this program for a long time, 17, almost 17 years, years ago, the former governor of Oregon proposed a mileage tax as people started to really embrace EVs in the state of Oregon. And I said at the time, some of you may remember, some of you may not, I'm going to go on that I know that I said it, and I was was there when I said it, so I remember. I started pointing out two things about the push to EVs. One, they were not going to let you save money. They were not going to give up the gas tax. Two, what the government really wants, and this is the, this is the shroud, they want, live, they want live tracking devices in your car. But the governor proposed this mileage tax, which I believe initially would be assessed upon registration renewal, okay? Assuming that you register, register your car in the state and you don't leave. Or that perhaps at the sale of a car, it seemed like it would be more complicated. But what would be simplistic would be for the state to affix a simple tracking device into your car that would tell you how many miles you traveled in a given year. It would also tell them your speed limit, where you were going, and when you were going. Now, on a surface level, if you possess that technology and you're accused of a crime, and they're like, well, we saw your car here, or a car that looked like yours, like in My Cousin Vinny, you say, I wasn't there. I was over here. Here's my tracking device. That's one thing. But I said back then, and people thought I was just being, you know, you conservative radio host, you, you and your conspiracy theories. Well, let me give you some of this from the Associated Press. As fuel taxes plummet, states weigh charging by the mile instead of the tank. Now, I also said to you that this would be the excuse to give the government, whatever level of government we're talking absolute control over charging stations, right? This is, a, I'm telling you, this is not conspiracy theory. You know, it's funny. We should stop, call it, stop calling it conspiracy theory and start calling it current events, right? Well, you're, yeah, you're, you're lying about Anthony Fauci. This is a conspiracy theory. Really? Looks like current events to me. Ah, yeah, these conspiracy theories that Republicans have about uh, a transgender people, an LGBT uh, activist trying to groom children. I don't know. Looking at these videos, doesn't sound like conspiracy theory. Looks like current events. Yeah, these crazy conspiracy theories that uh, that Antifa people are dressing up like Nazis and calling themselves Patriot Front. I don't know. Over the weekend, we kind of saw it happen. So what you might call conspiracy theory, we're going to start calling current events. So it says right here, telling, of course, the stories they always tell to set up the emotional mood, skipping that. The federal government is about to pilot a program funded by $25 million from the infrastructure measure President Biden signed in November 2021. So far, three states, Oregon, Utah, and Virginia, are generating revenue from road usage charges despite the looming threat of an ever-widening gap between states' gas, uh, gas tax proceeds and their transportation budgets. Hawaii will soon be in the fourth. Without action, the gap could reach $67 billion by 2050 due to fuel efficiency alone, the Boston-led CDW Smith estimates. 
Many states have implemented stopgap measures such as imposing additional taxes on registration fees on electric vehicles and more recently adding per kilowatt hour taxes to electricity accessed at public charging stations. Last year, Colorado began adding a 27 cent tax to home deliveries from Amazon and other online retailers to help fund transportation projects. Some states are also testing electronic trolling system, tolling systems. But road usage charges known as mileage-based user fees, distance-based fees, or vehicle miles travel taxes are attracting the bulk of the academic attention, research dollars, and legislative activity. Now, what did I just read to you? academic when i tell you when i say the academic left this is what i mean the academic left this is not something i just made up right one of the biggest scams perpetuated perpetrated on the american taxpayer are these college professors that get massive massive grants to airfingers quote commission to to take to make a study right to to issue a paper we pour billions of dollars into these studies you know shrimp on treadmill etc cetera, etc cetera. so they're going to tell us what we already know if states became too heavily reliant to have too reliant on the gas tax as they force people to drive evs there's going to be a diminishing a cycle of diminishing results from the gas tax. Now, isn't it kind of funny how the government creates the problem and is going to force you to suffer with the consequences so they could solve the problem that they created? The How many times did we hear? Democrats, auto marketers, oh my God, this is going to be the great savings, right? We heard this. We heard Corinne Jean-Pierre over and over and over again. The transition's going to save families and communities money. We heard them say it. And I told you all along, I said, they're not going to let you save money. Since when does the government discount something? It's like, what's the old saying? If you think something's expensive now, wait till it's free. But the government is, the government sold the idea. We had to have these tax credits. We had to encourage people to go out and buy these EVs, right? Look at the savings, the savings. If you just behave like a good girl and a good boy and drive an electric vehicle, the savings, you're going to save money. You're, you're plugging in a car and charging is not nearly as expensive as going to the pump with that awful, terrible Republican, you know, fossil fuel that's, that's poisoning our air and water and making children of color more sick with their asthma. They've wanted to gut the natural oil and natural gas industry for a long time. And they told you, they told you, well, don't you like the free market? Don't you like the idea of the free market EVs and, uh, you know, saving money? They have no intention of saving money. Do we want to carry this Biden speaking about this Wagner Group revolt? All right, let's take it for a minute. Thank you, please. Thank you. Let's hear some wisdom. Although I like the fact Joe Manchin's standing all this time. <laughs> He's a friend. Hi, Jojo. How Easy. are you, pal? Before I begin, uh, let me say a few words about the events in Russia. Excuse, I'm a little of an allergy. <clears throat> the, uh, the situation began to develop as it did. I directed my national security team 
to monitor closely and report to me hour by hour. I instructed them to prepare for a range of scenarios. I also convened our key allies on a, on a Zoom call to make sure we're all on the same page. It's critical that we're in a coordinated in our response and coordinated in what we to anticipate. We agree, they agreed with me that we had to make sure we gave Putin no excuse. Let me emphasize, we gave Putin no excuse to blame this on the West or to blame this on NATO. We made clear that we were not involved. We had nothing to do with it. This was part of a struggle within the Russian system. I also talked at length with President Zelensky of Ukraine. I'll be keeping in contact with him. I may be peaking him later today, early tomorrow morning, to make sure we continue to remain on the same page. I told him that no matter what happened in Russia, let me say it again, no matter what happened in Russia, we, the United States, would continue to support Ukraine's defense and its sovereignty and its territorial integrity. He and I agreed to follow up and stay in constant contact. I'm also in constant contact with our allies to maintain our coordination. I'll be speaking with the head of state right after this meeting today and uh, making sure we're on the same page. I didn't get a chance to speak with one head of state yesterday. We're going to keep assessing the fallout of this weekend's events and the implications for Russia and Ukraine. But it's still too early to reach a definitive conclusion about where this is going. The ultimate outcome of all this remains to be seen. But no matter what comes next, I will keep making sure that our allies and our partners are closely aligned in how we are reading and responding to the situation. It's important we stay completely coordinated. And now I'd like to turn to today's announcement, begin by asking a question. Did you lay all that cable? What? She's a wonder woman. I was watching in the other room. But I didn't realize, I didn't bring along all the cable, I, you know, the empty spools. <laughs> You're incredible. Thank you. Look, I'm sorry, um, did, I, did, I did Joe you, Biden Jeff, just ask a woman if she laid all that cable? <clears throat> okay, here's what's going to happen. I'll get back into the original topic in just a second. The media is now setting up the narrative that Ukraine was saved by Biden's leadership. Right. That's what that is what is now being set up. That Biden's unwavering support for Ukraine. Its ability to fight back the bigger, badder or allegedly bigger, better Russian military to stand up to Putin. Is going to be distilled down by our media and the Democrat Party. As proof of Biden's sharpness his understanding, and his leadership when none of that is true. Okay, let's let's remember, everyone, that it was when, under Obama, we pushed out the pro-Russian president and Ukraine said, look, now that you've done that, we're going to have to defend ourselves. If we break ties with Russia this way, they're going to come in. And they did. The new Ukrainian regime asked Biden and Obama for military, lethal military aid. Obama and Biden denied them. The Russians came in and they took Crimea. Now, understand this. Russia did not advance at all under the Trump administration. For all the talk, Trump and Putin and Putin and Trump, 
kind of funny that if Trump was really Putin's pal, why wouldn't Putin just swallow up Ukraine when his friend was in the White House who would not give material support opposing his efforts? That makes, it makes absolutely, you you know, I think everybody should go look up the 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 reference point for the phrase gaslighting or the saying gaslighting so you really understand it. The media, the media wants you to accept doublethink. They want you to accept that Trump was in league with Putin and that Trump in some way was serving Putin. Yet it was Trump that sanctioned the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. It was Biden who lifted the sanction. It was Trump who said, you know, we've got to sanction their oil and natural gas industry while we increase our output. Then we have to replace them as the as the top provider to NATO allies like Germany. And the Democrats in the media were like, argle, bargle, 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 global warming. And Trump said, if Germany gets too hooked on Russian oil and natural gas, it's going to do nothing but feed their military their, 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 their military. And he was right. Everything Trump said about Russia, Germany, Ukraine, and NATO was right. They just don't want to admit it. Then Biden comes in. What does he do? He issues one executive order after another, gutting our natural oil and natural gas industry. He issues a 20-year moratorium on rare earth mining in the United States. Prices in the United States rise, skyrocketing. We get inflation, almost instantaneously, I might add. Then we have the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan. Horrible. The Russians sat there on the border with Ukraine in October, watching, waiting. Biden did nothing. Again, his excuse, well, the the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was 95% complete. Yeah, but it wasn't operational. You're the one that lifted the sanctions on it. You. Unbelievable. The media is literally gaslighting you, and they want you to accept the double think. They want you to believe that Trump was in league with Putin. But at the same time, Putin was such a good friend of Donald Trump that he didn't go forward with his ambition of invading Ukraine because he didn't want to make Trump look bad or something. It's idiotic. And yet this this is this is acted out morning, noon, and night. On MSNBC at CNN, they have their glass tables, they have their network logo coffee mugs. I mean, they're holding their pens like, I'm really, I'm really an expert on all of this. And really, it's like they want you to just forget everything that you know. It's like the January 6th. Well, we've never seen a riot like this before. You haven't? We watched an entire year's worth of them. What are you talking about? Well, nothing that was a threat to this, to, to our democracy. You mean like when people tried to get into the White House? To sack the White House? Wine 695 Patriot 9572874. Kind of funny. It is kind of funny that we get word of these 17 alleged phone calls that 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 involve uh, the Bidens uh, setting up two $5 million payoffs from a Ukrainian energy oligarch. And all of a sudden, the Pentagon finds $6 billion. 
in savings to send Ukraine. That's a glitch. You call this a glitch? Wine six ninety five Patriot nine five seven two eight seven four. These people have no idea what they're talking about. I don't give a damn where they went to college. I don't give a damn what position they held in the State Department. They don't know anything. Tony Blinken sounds like a moron. We're right, they're wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program pff, can't be broken. Cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Will Count Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 east, 9 to noon west, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125.